There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, here we are, David, at a little before 7 p.m. on the broadcast roof, our spiritual and actual home for the fortnight here at Wimbledon 2018. A little before 7 p.m. on Manic, Magic, whatever you want to call it, Monday, the day when all of the round of 16 matches are played on both the men's and women's singles competitions. We are, of course, the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and sponsored by Amazon Prime Video, the home of the US Open in the UK and David as we come to you now Novak Djokovic hasn't stepped onto court for his round of 16 match that match is not in progress yet his match against Karen Hachinov of Russia and the situation bears remarkable similarities to what happened on this very day last year yeah you've you've just read out to me uh, the the news report that followed his postponed match uh, in the fourth round stage last year when he was due to face Adrian Manorino, you may remember he was due on court uh, on court number Court number one. one. Court yeah, number court number one. one uh, after Rafael Nadal, who was actually on that court that day and who won 15-13 against Gilles Muller. And in the end, I remember waiting around in the, on the player lawn where... Djokovic, Andre Agassi and Mario Ancic, all of his coaching team at the time, were all consulting with officials and trying to find out, is my match going to be played at all or not? And in the end it wasn't, and he got put back to Tuesday. So, I mean, he is at least going to get out on court here. Uh, Gael Monfils has just gone out in four sets, quite an exciting one in the end against Kevin Anderson, went two sets behind. But it does mean, as you say, we're getting towards seven o'clock. Chances are they're not going to finish tonight. Maybe they will. I, I will come on at the end of the, the tennis podcast tonight to to give you the, the, the result there and just, just update you on that. But it's it's an uncomfortable feeling to know that those two players 
uh, are going to have to most likely, or at least there's a decent chance that they'll have to come back tomorrow. And it does, it does, it, it's, it's unfavourable to them. And it puts the winner of that at an extraordinary disadvantage, doesn't it? Going into the biggest match of the tournament, okay, every forthcoming match becomes the biggest match of the tournament, but going into a quarter final, already having played four best of five set matches to go in without a rest day whereas all of the other seven players will have had a rest day I just I I realise that as we stand at the moment with the matches having gone long on court number one with the health health and safety issues presented by moving the match to centre court and the potential stampede of people towards an open seating centre court I realise as things stand at the moment there's nothing the club can really do to rectify the situation however I really think there's things decisions they could have made which would likely have prevented them being in this situation at the first place and you think maybe somebody would have looked back upon what happened last year which Djokovic was I think very rightly very aggrieved about and gone hang on a second we've got to make sure the same thing doesn't happen to the same guy again this year somebody who's already been pretty ill-treated by the scheduling you'd have to say what would you what would you have done well I mean, to bring it round to a, a different but not unrelated scheduling issue, I'd have had more women's matches on centre number one and number two courts. Um, and that would also solve for you a potential issue of, of, of length of matches. Um, so so that solves many a problem for you. That's one thing I would have done. I'd have put Djokovic on centre today as well, mm. for sure. Yeah. I mean, let, let's face it, the matches on centre have not been good matches. And... and you know, I've had a lot of people on Twitter say, yeah, but it's this strange anomaly, isn't there, of Roger Federer. Roger Federer is this sporting anomaly comparable with not many others over the years. You know, Sachin Tendulkar in, in cricket is, is one that um, my brother presented to me, which is that, you know, to borrow some very famous words, watching him, it's not about sport, is it? It's almost a, a, a religious experience for some people. But and, it is and, sport, isn't it? And, well, exactly, and, and that's it is what sport. Me. And, and, and look, so, I, I get that. I get that people come here just to be able to say, I have seen Roger Federer play on centre court. And if you've queued overnight or you've bought a ticket a year in advance to come over from Australia in order just to have had that experience, I get that you'll feel shortchanged. But firstly, I think that that argument would carry more weight if there were a really democratic ticketing policy at the championships um you know let's not forget that after today um there are no tickets available to overnight queuers all of them are pre-sold um and second of all i just think there are other factors at play basically you're you know if you accept the club's market forces argument which is what they use to defend every decision they make seemingly then basically they're saying they have no responsibility to anything other than profit because profit is the bottom line of market forces. And I think they they certainly ought to have responsibility beyond that. I, I accept that profit has to be a factor. This is an extraordinarily well-run tournament in so many ways and we enjoy the so many of the luxuries and the touches that they are able to put on this tournament because of the profit that they make but, the, but there, are, there are other concerns it isn't profit only though I mean they, they do listen to TV demands but, in and their, but, but hang on they listen to TV demands because TV pay a lot of money and well, they want TV no, to continue the, to pay a lot of money there's ex- also exposure elements to it you know if you put certain matches on at certain times of the day you're going to get people watching in other countries etc and you want to have the highest viewing figures you can get etc I, d- I mean there are a number of considerations there however for me uh, I, I think I, that, that all of those factors though 
pretty much come down exposure it you know it's well, what, one and the same well, well certainly I don't I don't feel as though I, th- I, th- I think I would have certainly put Djokovic on centre court today uh, just as simple as that and then you then you, you you know somebody else would have to deal with the uh, with the late night finish for once and uh, and the, the, the extra day as we stand at the moment Rafael Nadal is through to uh, the last eight having beaten uh, who did he beat Eugene Vesely you, in straight I've just straight done sets. that match yeah, you have I just mean, done that match it was totally different to the, the Gilles Muller match of last year I mean it was straight sets I thought Vesely might really be able to take it to him I felt he was and it's quite an interesting talking point because we had this this really interesting answer from Serena Williams to the question about uh, being the the top player and being the one there to, to be shot at and other players raising their level etc I take issue with that personally I think I mean look I re- totally respect Serena Williams she she has her view I think to some degree she is seeing it that way and it's helpful to a top player to see it that way I think I think Rafael Nadal sees it that way that he he, he always has to be at his very best that's what makes him so great that they're able to convince themselves but the fact is Yuri Vesely was a perfect example of a player today that didn't really produce and was intimidated by his opponent and the situation and I think that that happens a lot against the best players in the world yeah for every game that that is is won because the the player is feeling like they have to to raise their game against the very best there's at least one game that's lost due to locker room aura and one Mm. that's lost due to feeling like you have to do too much or not all play outside of your comfort zone um, or overpress because of who you're playing. So yeah, I agree. I'm not saying that what Serena Williams referenced, you know, having to always play people at their greatest, isn't sometimes, if not often, a factor. But there are other. Can, other it factors, can go either way. It uh, can go either way. I'll tell you what, so, how about the wind up here at the moment? <laughs> we are being blown away. Crikey! Absolutely blown away. Who's um, that going to favour in the Djokovic match? Well, Djokovic oh. doesn't love wind, does he? Doesn't he? Doesn't well, love the wind. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I tell you, who would be loving this? Andy Murray. Yeah, the world's best we're going to see Andy Murray this we are. week, aren't we? Yeah, he's punditing tomorrow. Yes, on uh, BBC. The BBC, please put him on. On what do I want him on? Kazakina, Kazakina okay. Kerber. Right. Um, and then he's he's commentating on Wednesday. Please, please put him on. Uh, it is Noranić. Why? That's just no. Just say, Andy, we we need to we need to sex this match up a bit. No one's going to watch it otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. It's a tough sell. Come on, Isner Raonic. Yeah, it's not. Spoiler alert: Isner and Raonic are through to the quarterfinals, and they some play people one another. don't mesh. Uh, As we for were saying on Saturday, contrast of styles is a lovely thing. Opposites attract, and uh, that is not a contrast <laughs> of styles. No. So, Rafa is through to the last eight, yeah, where good. he will oh, likely goodness, play Del Potro, who's a setup on Gilles Simon yep. at the moment. Okay, that one could have legs. Okay, but let's say. Nadal plays Del Potro. Federer is through in a match that, I mean, do you, do you have anything to say about well, his straight sets victory I mean, over Manorino? All, first said he won in 16 minutes and Manorino looked really just overwhelmed by the whole thing. Fair enough, he played well second set and he's got a lovely game to watch. There was a, a nice comparison, I think it was Pat Cash who said that Manorino plays quite similar tennis to Jimmy Connors in the, the way he hits the ball so flat and, and it is entertaining to watch it and it's stylistically fascinating to watch Federer try to deal with that style as opposed to the usual top spin he's having to face. But 
It wasn't really a match. I mean, it was wasn't competitive. It was the Roger Federer show, and yeah, I mean, centre court today did not provide competitive matches. It just didn't. And Roger Federer's last state opponent will be Kevin Anderson, who just came through in four sets against Gael Monfils. I didn't see all of that, but I saw snippets here and there, and it looked like a really entertaining match. Shame that Monfils couldn't take it into five. I think that's what. The crowd, the court one crowd were wanting, definitely not what Djokovic and Hutchinoff were wanting. <laughs> um, so, what we will have, David, is Nadal Del Potro, mm. uh, Federer, Anderson, and likely, likely Djokovic Nishikori, because Nishikori won through earlier in four sets over Ernest Gulbis. That was having quite dropped close, wasn't it? It was, and I spoke to Sarah Orchard, who was uh, covering that for, for BBC Radio, and, she, uh, and I said, um, was, it a, was it a question of Gulbis's? legs getting tired as much as he protested at that being a factor with me on Saturday you know three back-to-back five setters plus qualifying and she said no she said Nishikori just found his game and was brilliant playing so, well yeah if Did he you picked say up playing Djokovic next if, it, well, if they got if Djokovic through. were to win three those would be right. the matches David Ooh. and I know you've done a pole vault on this and for have once oh, yeah, this have. is a pole vault that I'm interested in the answer to because the respondents are the potential ticket-buying public, and they are best-placed. Damning me with faint praise. (laughs) They are best-placed, yeah. I mean, yeah, true story. In fact, you did actually text me. uh, You you genuinely seemed quite enthusiastic about my poll vault. Because the the public in that instance are the best-placed people to give their views on what they would want to see. I know what I would want to see if we're picking two of those three matches, and I actually asked my brother, a die-hard Federer fan, what he would want to see. And he said, stick Federer Anderson on court one. Ooh, yeah, well... They're not going to, though, are they, David? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think after not putting Djokovic on centre court today, I feel as though that is a a big call not to put him and Nishikori on, on centre court. I really do. I mean, I, I, I honestly... That's the uh, call, though, isn't it? Because Nadal Del Potro goes on centre. Yeah, center, that's an absolute sure. cast-iron certainty yeah, for, so for centre court. So it's between the other two. I, and I just don't see how you can not put Djokovic Nishikori on centre court. I don't either, court. but, but I'm, a, I'm rarely in step with the decision-making of, of the order of play. But that's a Grand which, Slam semi-final um, from the US Open a few years ago. Great sort of... It, I, it I is. Think you've got it's to glorious, go but but all the messaging I seem to be hearing from the club and various people is that the the cult of Federer trumps all of that. Well, let's see. Let's give the, let's, let's give it give it a chance because we that may not be the case. Indeed, and and they, just, and they they are very clear. Look, that let's let's let hear them out. They say that we we consider a lot of factors and we take each day on its own and make our decision accordingly so you have to let them make that decision before True. you slam them for for making it but hang on we we're here to speculate david we are the tennis podcast sure no and 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 speculate is exactly what i'm going to do now because i've got the pole vault results here uh which are um that if uh which match would you put on court number one of those three well Notice 41 isn't Isner Raonic isn't, <laughs> yeah, isn't being touted as anyone from not, by anyone. As I've a not even put match. that in a, as an option. <laughs> uh, but Federer Anderson, forty-one percent of the of the voting millions, or at least the one thousand nine hundred and sixty-six who have voted so far, forty-one percent would put Federer Anderson on court one. Thirty-three uh, percent would put Djokovic Nishikori on 
caught one and 26% would put Nadal Del Potro on court Genuinely one. Those are the results. 2,000 votes. So there's, yeah, there's a decent number there. I mean, look, you've also got to bear in mind there's a number of people that just literally vote with their favourites. And, and I always try to encourage people not to do that. But um, in terms of speculating, I, I don't... Do I think I don't think that they will put Djokovic uh, Nishikori on court one? I don't actually. I think that they will. They will go with that. Do that you think whether or not the match gets finished tonight will have any bearing? The Djokovic Hachinov hmm, match. That's, that's an interesting question too. That's a very interesting question because, I mean, I, I suppose. I just don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just look at that as a match, and that's a centre court match. Federer Anderson is. Yeah, I mean, look, Anderson's a good player, but it's not as good a match. I just feel that they will they will go for Djokovic this time. I hope so. I certainly hope so. Incidentally, David, added incentive for John Isner to make it through to the semi-finals. Speculation, I don't know if you heard this, that Donald Trump might come to Wimbledon. Yes, I did hear that. And I also heard that he was asked if you'd like him to come and watch. And he said, yes, and I'd love said, that. And he said... Nice, certainly. I'd love to have Trump come watch me. That would be awesome. Maybe I'll tweet at him if I win on Wednesday. I know a lot of people won't like that, but I don't care. Well, fair enough, Tim. You know, he says what he thinks. <laughs> he says what he thinks. I mean, there, there might not be a British government to receive Trump this weekend, no, so you might have time to kill a Wimbledon a, on we've Friday. We've had a lot of politics today. <laughs> We've had a lot of politics. I think the tennis podcast is is an area you can probably steer clear of that. Uh, well, except that I was covering um, Milos Raonic against Mackenzie McDonald earlier. Incidentally, so much serve and volley from Milos Raonic. Never seen him serve and volley so much. Not even when he was under the tutelage of John McEnroe. Goran was sat on the side. He nodded like a, a proud father every time he saw Raonic at the net. Like, yes. That's what I've told you to do, son. So what um, happened? How come the, well, the midway, first set went wrong? Uh, just not ruthless enough. Just mm. didn't shut the door. Maybe a little bit of nerves. This is a big deal for Raonic yeah. making quarterfinals here. He's been in the wilderness, really. Um, so maybe a little bit of nerves. Just lacking that killer instinct. He never really thought McDonald was actually mounting a proper fight back. But What sort of player is he? Um, really nice, easy style. This is... This is damning with faint praise again, but um, a real classic college player, I think. He went to UCLA, he's come through the college system. Incidentally, uh, one of three players in the last 16, uh, Anderson and Isner as well, that came through uh, the college system. Really lovely style, um, nice strokes, good hitter of the ball, but just lacking the court craft and the real artillery to, to do damage at the top level, I think. Done incredibly well to reach, reach the round of 16. Um, but anyway, cries of, oh, Jeremy Corbyn broke out midway through the fourth set of my match. So actually, politics and tennis did intersect briefly that for me. That is not something I was expecting to hear. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, no. Should we talk about the women's, yeah, David? Where you covered today. the match of the day, I think. It was really good, yeah. And it was a real shame. A bit like the, the Monfils Anderson. It's a shame that it didn't go into the decider because the tennis was just a joy. Uh, and so was actually the, the attitude of the two players. This was Angelique Kerber against Belinda Bencic. And, and Kerber won through, what was it now? I think it was 6-4-7-6 in the end. And, and she had... Uh, Four set points in the second set did Bencic and Kerber just dug herself out of trouble time and time again, eventually got over the line. But the gist of it is that Bencic looked 
physically well again, which is great. And she was just attacking relentlessly. Just she's such a smooth hitter of the ball. Everything comes out the centre of the strings. And, and Kerber was just digging in. And Annabelle Croft calls her the absorber. And I think that that sums it up perfectly. She just she just cushions and absorbs everything being thrown at her, and and she eventually got the job done. My goodness, she was getting ratty with uh, poor old Wimpersett in the the coaching <laughs> she box. Was. She was throwing her arms up. She was basically <laughs> finger wagging at him as if to say, "You made me go for this strategy. It's your fault that this isn't working." And Benchich was coming up and stamping her feet in anger when when things were going against her. Oh, it was great fun. Didn't Annabelle call Benchich? No, you called Benchich the stomper. Uh, well, no, it was Annabelle first. She, she said she, she, she's a stamping stomper, is what she said, because she was basically having... having I mean, I've seen tantrums like that from my four-year-old lad when he, when he was four, uh, and I mean, he's six now, but he doesn't quite do it in the same way. But my goodness, she was really going for it. Um, and her reward, Kerber, is a meeting with Daria Kazakina, who again figured out her opponent today. Yes. Lost the first set to Alison Van Oytvank, was a breakdown in the second. And I was just waiting for the moment that she figured out how to play her, and she did. And I think she won the third. She was certainly 5-1 up in the third. I don't know whether she went on to win five, uh, 6-1 or 6-2 in the end. Uh, incidentally... Um, pronunciation corner apparently we've been getting it wrong with the old pronunciation of uh, Van Oetvank apparently it's Van Oetvank Van Oetvank so uh, I've been corrected there like Dr Oetker of pizza fame oh yeah right Um, anyway can I can I say something bold David I've just had a feeling oh go on I I love a feeling I think the winner of the tournament is going to be the winner of Kerber Kazakina ooh I do like that. That's a bit bold. Neck on the, I mean, obviously, well, neither of those two featured in my predictions pre-tournament. Ser- Serena Williams is still in the tournament. What are you talking about? Well, Serena Williams... Uh, and a, look, Yelena of course, of, of course, on paper, she's the favourite. I'm just trying to spice things up a bit because I've had so many people effectively just handing her the trophy. And I just don't think we know yet where she's at because... Evgeny Rodina was not a test today. It was no, it was true. the match that we predicted. We just don't know where she's so at. She could Serena come against it up against an informed Kerber, and not. I don't think she would get taken to the cleaners, but she could lose quite easily. I just don't think we'll know until it happens. Well, Kerber's playing well. There's no question. Having seen her today, I mean, if you remember last year, she was beaten by the eventual champion uh, Gabriela Magarutha in the match. As of the she tournament. was the year before in the final. Yeah, and and I don't know. I I think she's in a really good place. Who, so who's Kerber? Got? Kerber Kasekina. plays Kazakina, which is a replay of I think it was the quarterfinal that they played in Eastbourne last week or two weeks yes. ago, or in some past life that already feels like a foggy blur to me uh, and I watched that match and again Kazakina was dire in the first set dire she didn't know what she was doing out there and suddenly in the second set she sort of clicked in and figured out what she was doing now she went on to lose but it was incredibly close in the third set I think it even went to a tie break went on very late into the evening and I think that match might be key for Kazakina uh, tomorrow, the fact that they've played before so recently, mm. that that's almost giving her that leg up, that figuring out that she usually has to do in the first set and a bit. Plus, I think she's, she's already done that. Beaten her a couple of times before that, you know, as well. I think I remember last year her she beating has. her a couple of times. The, who, who does Serena Williams play then? Is Camilla Georgie. Oh my goodness. Who I covered today, uh, beating uh, Katerina Makarova in straight sets, and she was very good. Georgie um, Makarova didn't. She, she was fine. She didn't really present enough problems for Georgie. Georgie, incidentally, leads the winner count for the yeah. tournament so far. How many? 144 of them. 
which <laughs> averages at 36 per match, I believe, which is not too shabby. Considering she's five foot six and an absolute slip of a thing, she really gives you bang for your buck, does Camilla Georgie. But I, I do think she's going to lose to Serena. Yeah. I think Serena's going to make the final, incidentally. She's definitely in the better half of the draw, with all they, due they respect to... They played each to... other in the first round of the Australian Open last year. Yes. And it was pretty one-sided, actually, ultimately, for, for Serena Williams. But Georgie will bring it. That much we do know. Oh, she will. She will, as will her dad. So who's Ostapenko It's quite interesting in? to watch on the sidelines. Ostap- well, hang on. We're darting between halves of the draw. Do you want to do oh. it by... No, I just I just don't know stuff, and I'm, I'm relying on you <laughs> to teach me. plays Sybil Kova, who got the better oh, of yes. Sue Wei Shei. Oh, yeah, and actually there was a big row on that. There was, was a big row, yeah. Uh, something to do with um, one of those overrules where you decide whether you're going to replay the point or not, and they decided not to, and then it turned out that the, the ball uh, off the off the subsequent call was in and the umpire was the only person in the entire stadium who thought it was out and they can't replay it on a screen to find out and therefore uh, there was about a seven minute delay while they argued this out yeah extraordinary so. that there can still be that kind of a sort of manual delay yeah when, they, that, when technology that needs is sorting so out doesn't it i mean that's yeah. just a straightforward uh, it's let's just a, use a screen let's just yeah yeah you know. var Yes. Bit of R. Bit of VR. Um, so Sybil Covert plays Ostapenko, who, for the first time this tournament, had to battle today. Yes, and she had a, a, a bit of a meltdown as well. She, <laughs> she was did. Five two down she was against Alexander Sasnovich, I heard. Then she, uh, there was a great line from, from our colleague Jonathan Overend, who said, uh, she, She's five two down, she's playing rubbish, she's just been warned for coaching, and she looks like she wants to t- ask the umpire if she'll go outside. <laughs> I love that about Elena Ostapenko. Yes, uh, but then she reeled off about eight games in a row and won the match six love in the second. And she's another player that's uh, I read her transcript after that match. Been very frank about how different it feels for her this year not to have the pressure of defending that French Open title, mm. not to have the pressure of being a reigning Grand Slam champion. Yeah. Um, and Muguruza talked about it last year, didn't she? And yeah, so very interesting. She seems to be unshackled, Elena Ostapenko, and that's a, a terrifying prospect um, and then the other remaining women's quarterfinal that we haven't discussed is the one in Serena's section so the winner of Serena Georgie will play the winner of Kiki Burton's who knocked out <laughs> the highest seed remaining Carolina Pliskova yes. um, and Yulia Gerges yes crikey it's all happening Gerges who does she beat today Gerges uh, beat I did see this beat somebody can't for the life of remember keep talking David keep talking yes okay what shall I talk about uh, I'll talk about Vekic the, yes, Vekic, two. That's, that's right uh, I, that's an opportunity miss for Vekic I Kerber's think. the highest ranked player remaining then so and she's number 11 in the world um, so yes it's been a seed decimation here at Wimbledon however having said that I think those four quarterfinals are quite tasty I like the look yeah, of them that's going to be good uh, Catherine what's the latest score on Djokovic and then you can go home the, the latest score on Djokovic David is uh, they've played all of three games it is 2-1 on serve to Djokovic and Del Potro Simon four all in the second set so that one's not finishing up anytime soon either yeah. okay right well I'll come back later and tell everybody what happens hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So a few hours have passed. People are streaming towards the exits now. It's just after nine o'clock here at Wimbledon on Manic Monday. And it has ended with Novak Djokovic going through very handily indeed. 6-4-6-2-6-2 against Karen Hatchinov. And one Martin Del Potro, though, he is going to have to come back again against Gilles Simon. He leads two sets to one, does Del Potro, 7-6-7-5. But the Frenchman taking the third set, 7-5 himself. So... Really close match there, and that puts those two at a real disadvantage for the winner, who's going to now have to play three matches in a row, coming back to play at least a set tomorrow on Tuesday, and then another uh, quarterfinal, of course, on Wednesday. So everybody else gets a day off, but the winner of that one will not tomorrow. Novak Djokovic, though, I did the last set and a half of his commentary and was just mightily impressed. Karen Hatchinov was just winging away, giving him everything he got power-wise. But Djokovic, he's got his timing back. He got his movement back. Everything he was getting to, he was timing it and putting it back onto the baseline of Del Potro. And I think that that's the key thing here. He's, he just looks totally at ease with himself again, does Djokovic. And and I think that that was a really impressive win. He finished it at about 10 to 9. It's a good job he got it finished when he did because it was, he, in his words, in his post-match interview, he said, I could barely see the ball at the end. Um, and I suspect he's probably pretty irritated, really, uh, about the scheduling that has 
put him again in this position. Catherine and I were talking about it earlier. Um, and it is a benefit to certainly go on centre court and know that you're going to finish and not have to have in the back of your mind, I need to rush or I need to try to make sure I win in straight sets. Um, and although I think Djokovic is trying his very best to, to keep an even head about it all and, and not let slip any irritation, I suspect he probably is annoyed. And it now gives a decision doesn't it as to what they do on Wednesday whether he gets the centre court match against Kane Shikori I personally think he should um, but uh, well, well we'll wait and see Del Potro he'll come back tomorrow against Simon no guarantee that he'll win through I suspect he will though and then it'll be uh, Rafael Nadal in the quarterfinals if they get that far um, the mixed doubles is still going on on centre court, believe it or not, with the lights still on. One set all between Jamie Murray and Victoria Azarenka and their opponents, uh, Farah and Grunefeld. Uh, and Heather Watson in mixed doubles action still going on as well as I speak. But that just about does it for today's play. The women's quarterfinals takes place tomorrow. We're not exactly sure where they're going to shoehorn Del Potro and Simon in yet, whether it'll be between the two women's semifinals or whether it'll start the day at one o'clock on court number one but uh, as things stand the women's semi-finals or sorry the women's quarter-finals are Daria Kasatkina against Angelique Kerber on centre court from one o'clock followed by Serena Williams against Camilla Giorgi I think Kasatkina against Kerber could be a, a real corker um, and then it's uh, number one court Sybil Kova against Ostapenko followed by Burtons and Gergers but as I said they will be putting in more uh, tennis with Del Potter against Simon so that's it for the tennis podcast for today brought to you in association with the telegraph and sponsored by amazon prime the new home of the u.s open in the uk from next month we are also executive produced by melanie bows by tennisballs.com and triple s of course uh, sponsored by la manga club the holiday destination in spain and don't forget you can get your tennis podcast away's entrance entry in still uh, that means taking a picture of yourself maybe in a tennis podcast t-shirt or item of clothing or holding your phone up with the podcast on it in some weird and wonderful location maybe at Wimbledon anything that will get our attention really post it on social media tag us in you've got until the end of Wimbledon to, to do that and you can win yourself a little holiday in La Manga Club with some coaching as well uh, and we of course have got our ferret Charlie as our mascot we'll see you tomorrow 